Hi there. Welcome to Finding Space with Alex Tyson, the show that celebrates the everyday legends who put in the hard work to become who they want to be and live the life they want to live. For people who understand that when we practice compassion and find wisdom within ourselves, we find success and happiness. Join me in hearing amazing stories from everyday individuals who have found incredible personal and professional growth through varied and, at times, wild methods of self-improvement and self-responsibility, and through their unique perspectives and work, have gone on to better the lives of those around them. From nurturing health to growing your wealth, or enjoying the present to crafting your future, no aspect of life is off-topic. December 30, 2021. I mean, what can I say about this year? What can I really say? I don't think I can really summarize this year in a way that would be fitting for everyone. So instead, prior to today's interview, I'd like to share with you some blessings I have for you this new year. I like to give these blessings to friends and families at birthdays and special occasions. And right now, I'd like to send these blessings to you. These blessings can also be given internally to yourself or others whilst practicing metta or loving-kindness meditation. So please, really sit with these blessings. Feel them and experience them. I'm sending them to you. So for 2022, may you be happy. May you be loved. May you achieve what you want to achieve. May you be respected. May your gift be felt by others the gift that only you can offer. May you be present. May you experience everything life has to offer. May you be healthy. May you thrive. May you be happy. May you be loved. I love you. May 2022 be the best year of your life. At work, I used to tell people something really important once and then expect them to just remember it forever. I learned pretty quickly that that isn't really how it works with most people. As humans, we need to hear things a few times before we really take note. Today, we're talking about a fundamental of health, and it's a fundamental I feel like I've talked about a lot. Sleep. And yet, poor sleep Waking up in the evening multiple times, not feeling like you're reaching deep sleep, waking up unrested, is still a symptom over 40% of Australians experience, according to the University of Adelaide. Add the stress of a global pandemic and it's clear that we still need to continue the conversation around sleep and how to improve your sleep. Today, I'm speaking with Zvedi Williams. Zvedi is a published author of three books surrounding sleep, including Fix My Sleep. Zvedi has a postgraduate degree in adult sleep science and is the founder of The Sleep Academy Online. Zvedi now focuses on long-lasting insomnia and how to treat it. In today's interview, we discuss insomnia, what it really is, what it stems from and how to deal with it. We discuss how to address your home environment to aid better sleep. Sleep routines, circadian rhythm, and what brain neurotransmitters are released and when, and why this is important to be thinking about each and every evening. We discuss sleep disruptors and sleep enhancers. We discuss brain waves, setting boundaries for working from home and device usage in the evenings. We also discuss choosing the right bed and pillow and a lot more. 
This episode of Finding Space with Alex Tyson is brought to you by Found Space. Make your home a place of wellness to live a long and healthy life. Visit foundspace.com.au for more information. And so I give you Zvedi Williams. Zvedi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having me, Alex. Last time we caught up, uh, we're in the midst of a what many sleep scientists were calling a sleep, a poor sleep epidemic. Now we're in a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like everyone's more stressed. Everyone's watching more news than they've ever watched before. Probably up later at night, um, watching TV more. And that must have an impact on people's sleep, right? Yes. Well, that is any kind of stress impacts our sleep. And it can actually impact our sleep cycles and sleep stages in each cycle. So it can impact many functions in the body, actually, not just sleep. Mm. But uh, speaking of sleep, if sleep is affected, the rest of the body is affected. So it's just like related. Everything's related. So if you have stress in your life, your, your whole body is messed up So and, and your brain. Mm. For me, sleep and stress actually, you know, I always talk about fundamentals in health. I talk about food and I talk about movement and sleep, stress, mindset, all those things. But really in some ways, stress and sleep kind of sit above the rest because if you're not sleeping well and you're stressed, it's going to undo all the good things that you're doing everywhere else in your life. Of course, of course it does. Poor sleep robs us of good mood. And when we're in a bad mood, (laughs) we do things that we wish we didn't do. But also impacts on our metabolism and our decision-making process, on our memory, on our positive emotion processing, but also remembering positive emotions. Therefore, this is why when we wake up after poor sleep and we feel negative and we tend to stay in that negative state until we get good sleep. So basically... Sleep helps, helps us recover from negativity. But um, on, the, on the other hand, if we don't sleep well, we actually become negative. Well, there's that old saying, you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, right? But actually, it's not the bed that is the problem. It's the, the quality of sleep, but also quantity of sleep. So again, if we didn't sleep well, we are more prone to the stress and we don't process stress in a way that um, as if if we did, if we were more resilient towards stress, if we slept better. I hope that makes sense. So poor sleep takes our resilience and when we are less resilient, we're more prone to stress. It's a vicious cycle. <laughs> yeah, and then you wake up, you're, you're more stressed, so you get more stressed throughout the day and then your sleep suffers again. You know. Yes. I always talk about morning routines, but really to get the morning routine right, you have to sleep well, which means you kind of need to get your evening routine right. Exactly. So we, if we slept poorly or didn't sleep enough, we aren't motivated for our morning routine. So basically we are robbing ourselves of the morning routine that we can benefit from for the rest of the day. And when it comes to nighttime, you just spend the day stressing out about things and spend the day being in poor health, poor emotional health, and therefore your nighttime routine also is struggling. So people go into this vicious cycle that is hard to recover from. Mm. 
Are there more people stressed out at the moment given COVID or is it just everyone's equally stressed as they were before, everyone's sleep still suffering? Yes, well, there's absolutely more stress at the moment everywhere because of the COVID. See, people waiting for the morning news to see how many new cases. Well, in Australia, this is, <laughs> I'm talking about it from Australian perspective. So people waking up, waiting, waiting for 10 a.m. news, waiting for how, how many cases are happening in our state. Are they going to open the borders? Are we going to have any more lockdowns? People having a lot of uncertainty for the future, but also a lot of uncertainty about tomorrow as well, long-term and short-term future, because COVID basically changed everyone's lives. We no longer are able to plan ahead. We're no longer able to travel, but also see people in different states, people that we haven't seen for a while. So... There's a lot of stress. Even that, this is one of the reasons people stress. But there's so many more uh, things that people stress about during COVID. It's uh, the jobs. It's the um, basically people don't have enough money to survive. And there's a lot of things that COVID created in our lives. But all of this creates a stress inside our bodies. So, and therefore we don't sleep well anymore because it gave us so much more worries and things that we can't control at the moment and no matter how positive we stay we're still affected in a way Mm. perhaps it's a lesson in learning to not stress about things that we can't control absolutely so uh, of course we're going to manage our stress levels manage our sleep manage our worries and try to control as much as we can or let go of things we can't control really so how do you actually survive for this there's um you got to be um, on top of everything, on top of yourself and your own emotional and psychological well-being and physical well-being too. Mm. To be honest, it's bloody hard at the moment <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, you can't – it's a struggle to see a lot of friends and family or well, certainly for my friends and family in Melbourne or in New South Wales. You, you can't see them when, when we're in lockdown. We're <laughs> away from our community, away from our people. Yes. If we yes. don't turn the news off, like, it's, you know, it's, yes. it's just like constant, you know, things adding up for for a population of people which were already sleep deprived and dealing with a lot of mental challenges as it was. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think, and no matter where you go, people talk about COVID, vaccinations, COVID, uh, symptoms, you know, just things that actually relate to COVID. Nobody... Um, knows what's happening, nobody knows what to do about it, and everyone has different opinions. But I think it's important to have create your own heaven at home where you can have your own mental health, you can still enjoy life from your own home. So there are things you can still do to stay sane and stay healthy mentally and emotionally, psychologically, as well as physically to, to sustain your, your, your happiness in a way. Mm. To paint the listeners a picture, where actually you were kind enough to invite me to your home because doing a podcast in person is so much better than doing it over Zoom, which is what I've been doing for the last couple year almost. And um, you've certainly created a nice space here, you know. And um, I'd love to talk a little bit more about that um, soon. But before we get there, I guess just to explain to everyone listening, um, tell me a little bit more about what you do and just so we get a bit of background. Yeah, so I am a sleep scientist. I 
studied natural medicine and postgraduate in adult sleep science. And during COVID, actually last year, a year ago, I launched Sleep Academy Online. So I've been working with insomnia patients for a few years. But also um, during COVID, because we were stuck at home in lockdown, I actually launched Sleep Academy Online where I teach people who are interested in health and being healthy and helping others to get healthy and get better sleep to become certified sleep coaches. Uh, so I have an academy where people learn to do uh, what I used to do <laughs> to uh, work with insomnia. So it's um, it's very interesting field. It's it's amazing. When you, when you see someone having good night's sleep, you can see how happy they become and you you know that you've done something for that person and people come back to you with good feedback saying, look, I, I just sleep better, I feel better, I'm a different person, I thank you. And the reason I was actually starting to want to teach others to, to become sleep coaches because I had a lot of healthcare practitioners sending me their clients. And I'm thinking, why don't you just teach them yourself? Why don't you help them yourself? You can be a person, you can help people, not just with, with fitness, for example, if you're a fitness coach or if you are uh, some kind of other health coach, why don't you become a sleep coach? So people started thinking about it and coming back to me saying, I want to do it because this is an interesting field. So that's how it all started. So <laughs> uh, that's what I do. I run Sleep Academy Online. I have a couple of products as well. Uh, one is to be launched soon and one is launched so but we'll talk about it next time mm. so yeah so sleep academy online is my thing that i do and um insomnia is fascinating to me maybe we can unpack that a little bit more and that what actually is there a definition of insomnia you know i know a lot of people who don't sleep very well could they potentially be suffering from insomnia and yeah, what essentially is insomnia? And- yeah, so insomnia is, um, well, you see, in the medical field, they call it sleep disorder. I don't class it as sleep disorder because it's um, it's more, because they say in medical field, if they call it sleep disorder, there has to be a treatment for it, a medical treatment, but there, there isn't. So I find insomnia is a, almost like a symptom of some kind of other disorder or a... Um, a lack of a lack of routine, for example, or uh, access stress, for example, or you know, so many things going on, or maybe it's an environment at home, maybe it's a mental illness, or maybe it's almost like a symptom of something else. Something else, but at the same time, it it has a relationship with other things that we're doing. For example, if we have mental health, we have insomnia. Mm. But which one actually? comes first is it insomnia mental health because they're both in the relationship with each other mm. so if we're talking about medical term that yeah it's classed as a sleep disorder and identify it's identified by poor sleep quality but also inability to get enough sleep so yeah so that's classed as insomnia inability to fall asleep stay asleep and getting poor quality of sleep and not getting enough sleep mm. And like you said, it's it's kind of related to people's mental mental health, right? I imagine anxiety plays a large a large role in insomnia and just general not feeling comfortable within the body. Yeah, so insomnia relates to relates to many functions in the body. Well, let's talk about poor sleep, really. So it's the poor sleep that it relates to many things in the body, including mental health, is one of the relationships of poor sleep and 
sleep in general has. So the impact of poor sleep on mental state is is fairly dramatic. So basically, in the past, people used to think that mental health was just a symptom of poor sleep. However, in recent research, we understand that poor sleep is actually contributes directly to mental state, mental um, health uh, disorders, but also it contributes to its severity as well. So let's say if you do have mental health and your sleep is poor, the recovery chances are much less than having to have having a good sleep. And even there is your response to medication to a specific um, mental health disorder is also minimized. You, you actually would not respond to medication for those who do have to take it. Uh, so it's, it has a, such a, they have basically closely wedded these two things, sleep and mental health, and they basically contribute to each other. So it's like when somebody has mental illness, they can't sleep. If they don't sleep, the mental health gets worse. Mm. Where do you start then if you're suffering from insomnia? Like where do you typically start to work with clients? Yeah, great question. So let's say you have insomnia, but you don't have mental illness. You're just unable to sleep now, either for long enough or um, deeply enough, or you, the, the quality isn't there. Where you actually start, oh, I like to always work with people with what's the environment in the house. Mm. You got to have a good environment. You got to have man- stress management. But I mean, stress management is such a cliche. Yeah, stress management. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's what like, you, what is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is that? So basically, it's, it's how, what are your thoughts like? What is your environment like? What are people in your life that you actually spend your life with? What is it that you're eating? What is it that you're drinking and not drinking? Mm. You know, it's a, a combination of things at the same time as what, what is your routine like? If you miss your bedtime, you're actually putting your body into that fight or flight response and your body's confused about what, why you're still awake. Mm. So it's circadian rhythm comes into play as well. So... Where do you start? So when I have clients for insomnia, I ask a lot of questions. And questions is the key. And the answers is the key as well. What do you do? Like you answer, you ask the question and then they, they answer the question. You know, you know what to do with them. So a consultation can take an hour and a half, two hours. So basically, everyone's is different, but I would look at the environment and things that you take in and things you don't take that you should take. Yeah, totally. And how important is that evening routine and, you know, even just going to bed at the same time every night? What does that actually do in the brain to help with a good sleep? Yeah, so evening routine is important as well as morning routine. But let's talk about evening routine. So having a great evening routine will send your brain cues that is bedtime. So you're preparing yourself visually, but also biologically, because if you have good routine, your production of melatonin is actually in in uh, in tune with the your with your sleep cycle, mm-hmm. with your circadian rhythm. So if you allow your body to, our body is actually amazing uh, on its own. So you, all you have to do is just allow it to work how it wants to work. And so the production of melatonin, let's say, it begins at 9 p.m. And we need to be in bed by 10 p.m. sleeping. And if your routine isn't isn't right, 
you're pushing yourself past that point. And if you do so, the, like I said, body gets confused, but also your circadian rhythm gets out of, out of whack as well. So you're basically putting yourself into a jet lag kind of state where it will be much harder to recover the next day. You will get less sleep. You, the bodily processes actually begin at the time where it needs to begin. Let's say your production of melatonin has to begin at 9 p.m. and you have to be asleep at 10 p.m. So the body will begin to trigger those functions that need to be active during that time. It's like a switch, right? So we have a switch in, in, in the body. Mm. So for example, some processes in the body can only be activated during awake, during awake times, but some processes cannot be activated until you are asleep. But it depends which cycle you're in and depends which phase in that cycle that you're in. So basically, you have to be getting all the stages in each cycle to allow the body to go through all of the processes, to cleanse the debris from the brain, to feel better the next day. So routine is very important, not our routine. Mm. And I'm just thinking, like, is there a time delay like, or, or, or does it... Does our body just all of a sudden start producing melatonin given a certain external cue in our environment? You know, so say if I use myself for an example, I, I go to bed, um, most would consider early, like between 8 and 8.30. And I feel like if I'm doing my evening routine right, which is not many lights on in the house. I've got blue blocking mm-hmm. glasses on, like yes. sometimes with the really red ones. Okay, yes. Everything's just red. <laughs> yes, And, yes. you know, I've eaten early enough, you know, 6, maybe 6.30 sometimes. And I'm calming down. My voice is more quiet. You know, <laughs> a lot of these things I actually learned from yourself. Okay, <laughs> yes, yes. And then so I find that by the time it gets to 8.30, I'm like, where is the bed? Because <laughs> I am <laughs> okay. falling asleep. Yes, yes. Does that mean my melatonin would have started producing much earlier like six o'clock or something or is it really just like just an hour before bedtime how's that kind of work to be honest everyone's different let's say i was only speaking as, as an example so you see we can actually we can adjust our circadian rhythm because you see we travel and we mm. do adjust to other side of the planet so we do adjust and if you are ready to settle down at the specific time of the night, your body will adjust with you. Uh, if you if you are feeling tired and ready for bed, then you have enough. Um, you know your tanks, your sleep tanks are full. Your adenosine tank is full. Your melatonin is in order. So basically, you're ready to go to sleep. So I I can't say why wouldn't your melatonin start earlier? You see. The, the, the problem, I wish everyone had your problem really. These days, people have an, an opposite problem. They suppress the production of melatonin and therefore melatonin, we're struggling to produce enough to, to actually feel sleepy at night. Mm. So that's basically the problem. But you're following a great routine. And like you said, it's all part of your environment. Having the glasses, having the the blue blue light filtering glasses glasses you have the um the lights control it in the house you you're settling your uh, nervous system down so it's all about nervous system because it's all is a part of nervous system you either in sympathetic nervous system dominance or parasympathetic and everything is related to one or one or the other really so when we are uh, asleep our 
uh, brain has to be cleansed, and that is basically works with your sympathetic ner- uh, with your nervous system. So, yes, the original question is, I would say yes. Why? Why would would it not? If you're ready, if you if your routine is such, if you go to bed at the same time and you wake up at the same time, your circadian rhythm is working with you, and you're working with it too. Yeah. So the benefit of going to bed at the same time every night is that it allows a circadian rhythm to get in that flow. It's like, all right, I'm going yes. to bed at 10 o'clock. Yes, So yes. then it can start to prepare the body physiologically. Yes, absolutely. And biologically too. So like, um, let's say we actually, humans, we, you know, before the invention of electricity, we used to be in bed with the sun. Mm. We had a candle, but how long can you sit there next to the candle, right? So mm-hmm. we actually, perhaps we meant to go to bed with the sun, wake up with the sun. And then as the sun and the season shift, our circadian rhythm shifts with it. It's, it's, it's a cycle, basically. So um, we perhaps supposed to start producing melatonin earlier in the day instead of 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... I think we should all follow this routine and be in bed by 8 p.m., 9 p.m. <laughs> with the children. Children go to bed early, hopefully, so we should be in bed early too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see that every time you're out camping or just out in nature more and away from artificial lights, it gets to like 7 o'clock and you're like, oh my God, I'm so tired. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It's like, yes, yeah, because yeah. you're, in, you're in tune with nature. Absolutely, and you're in tune with the nature cycle because we do – um, the humans and the animals, they go to bed with the sun too. The flowers go to bed with the sun. Every like We are part of that nature. Mm. We're creatures of the planet, so we're supposed to go to bed earlier as it gets dark. I mean, this is the thing with all of health, you know. It, when we were out in nature all those years ago, we didn't actually have to think about, oh, I better start my evening sleep routine now. <laughs> you know, it yes. just happened. Yes. You know, it, we just, we weren't even aware of it, you know, but that was just how we did it because we were in tune with the sun and the moon and the seasons. Yes. And when we are in tune, our body is trained because see, we humans, we, we work around the clock, right? So the, the clock is, is just a tool really, but... We are in tune with our circadian rhythm and the rhythm of the planet and the moon and the sun and everything is related to each other. So um, when, when we are in tune, we know automatically when to go to sleep and when to wake up. And you will find when you are, have that, when you do have that kind of um, routine that you stick to the same timing of the bed in the morning, so you don't need alarm anymore. You don't need to remind yourself, oh, it's nine o'clock, I better start my routine. You don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I had a friend ask me recently, he's like, he's like, oh, I was up really early this morning. It was like 4.30 in the morning. He's like, when was the last time you had an alarm go off at that time? And I was like, I don't use an alarm anymore mm-hmm. because yes, yes. I'm waking up when the sun comes up. Yes, so yeah, yes, you're getting rhythm is in tune and you, yes, you, you have great routine. Sounds like you do. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to deflate my own ties now. I realize I'm just talking about my own sleep routine. But So if you're someone then who is potentially dealing with insomnia or just dealing with poor sleep in general, going to bed at the same time, great. What are the other things we can do? We touched on like lights and and, and blue blocker lights. What are some things we can avoid? Maybe some things that we can do more of in the evening to help get that routine set up right. Okay, first thing always, do not have any stimulants. Coffee, sugar, 
Some people have to avoid dairy food because it it um, creates a lot of histamine in the body. And when we have a lot of histamine, we can't sleep. This is why when people take antihistamine pills, they sleep all night. So avoiding things that can create inflammation in the body, but also stimulants. Coffee, tea, black tea, green tea. Um, that is number one rule. Some people say, well, I can drink coffee and fall asleep. That's nice, kind of. Yeah, it's nice, but you still don't want to do that. You, you probably won't even get quality of sleep that you actually want to get. So I avoid alcohol. Avoid large dinners because your body needs to actually sleep and recover instead of trying to digest the food. But people say, well, when I ate a lot, I'm going to sleep coma, food coma, whatever, mm. food coma. I mean, yeah. I, I understand, but your metabolism still has to work. So, Some people would probably love a sleep coma. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I wish yes. I could sleep for like three days. <laughs> yes. Um, so what things to avoid? Avoid things that aggravate your nervous system. For example, artificial smells, loud music, a lot of blue light. So let's say you do have lights, but don't have them shining right above you. Don't watch TV because the TV shines that light straight into your optic nerve. And from optic nerve, it goes straight into your, um, um, into your brain where the melatonin production begins, right? But it's not just melatonin that your brain controls. So there's so many processes that has to have to happen for us to go to sleep and have a good night's sleep, have the quality that we need. So avoid that exposure to blue light, direct exposure to your eyes. Avoid talking to people about problems. Anything that's negative, don't, don't even go there. If people try to dump all this stuff onto you, excuse yourself and tell them you speak in the morning to them. So basically avoid anything that can aggravate you or overload you. What about boundaries in terms of like talking about work or just talking about stressful things in, in general? I, I appreciate that, especially at the moment, everyone's working from home and maybe they're doing more work than they need to or maybe they're just thinking, well, I've got nowhere to be tomorrow, so I'll just kind of keep working late into the evening. What are some some boundaries that we can set with ourselves and say, look, like from this time, I'm going to stop doing this or just avoid certain conversations, like you said? Yeah, so boundaries. People tend to work a lot in the evening. Sometimes I do that too. But you see, you can do it. But if you know that you're going to sleep straight after, again, having in terms of, Boundaries, but also if you do have to sit in front of laptop, computer, turn your screen all the way down so it's not so bright. Put a um, yellow, the, the the yellow filter, the blue light. Yeah, night blocking. shift. Night shift. That's is. right. That, not, that's right. And then you can wear the blue light filtering glasses uh, to avoid. Again, you can't block it all, but you can minimize the exposure. You can turn the computers off. Let's say. I don't know, just set your routine that you turn it off at a specific time. But then you go, instead of going straight from computer to bed, you have to kind of break that cycle. And you kind of have to redirect your brain into different mood. And not even mood, but actually different. Like different wavelengths. Yeah, absolutely. You got to prepare yourself for the alpha brain wave. Uh, but also, uh, you put them into different pace. For example, your brain was really active because you, you, you had to stay focused on your computer work. Take yourself outside. 
And when you are outside, you you will be prepared to go into the alpha kind of brainwave. This is the pre-sleep brainwave where we're still awake, but we're basically going into light sleep. We see alpha when when you're looking at the brainwaves on the computer. Uh, when somebody's hooked up to the um, for the sleep studies, we see alpha when people are still awake but eyes are shut. So go outside and ground yourself. I always teach people to go grounding because this is such an important part. This is where you allow your body to switch from that sympathetic nervous system dominance to the parasympathetic and where you allow your brain to switch off. You, you're getting closer to that switch, right? So mm. you go outside, ground yourself, close your eyes and do two minutes meditation. People get annoyed. Oh, meditation waste of time. But I mean... Okay, you can do two minutes. That doesn't take long, but it would have amazing effect on your brain and therefore on your body and on your sleep. So that two minutes is an investment um, of a good night's sleep for tomorrow. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Just a couple minutes. Even just notice the breath. Absolutely, absolutely. Just And you just tune in for a moment. Yeah, and you will notice how your body wants to switch the, into the slow kind of motion uh, mode. So instead of running the breast, instead of your brain to be racing, you find that your brain is starting to calm down and be very slow. And this is what we need for us to go into deep sleep. Well, when we look at the brainwaves on the computer screen, the deep sleep is actually very slow brainwave, very slow. Is that beta? Uh, it's delta. Yeah, okay. This fascinates me actually. At the start of the year, I got into, um, it was, I'm pretty sure it was delta brainwaves. Yes. Uh, what is alpha, beta, delta? Yes. Is there another one? No, I think that's it. No, that's it. Pretty yeah, much. and I was, I was recording uh, affirmations and beliefs over a delta wave. Okay, yes. And then I was listening to that back, kind of like creating my own binaural beats kind yes. of thing and because the delta brainwave is when we can program things into the brain yes and uh it was fascinating actually i would fall asleep with it on sometimes yes, yes. and then all of a sudden i'd wake up because i hear myself being like <laughs> money is flowing into my life, or something <laughs> yes. like that or i connect deeply with people and it's hard to measure whether that had an impact or not but it certainly felt like in some areas of my life it did it just goes to show the power of the brain in different states Mm -hmm. and the theme that was coming up for me when you were talking then was just around the pace of life Mm -hmm. and what what we're talking about here is calming down at the end of the day and listen to all the work that we need to do to to calm down we we have to turn all our lights down and stop looking at screens and tune into our body you know all all of these things to try and uh, for lack of a better expression undo how much we've ramped ourselves up during the day or during the week, you know. And I notice this a lot when I do uh, my fasting is that the deeper you go into a fast, the more you slow down to the pace of nature. And when I'm fasting, I'm falling asleep at like seven o'clock, <laughs> you know, because I'm more in tune with the the sun. Yeah. Um, and you're just more at the pace pace of nature. And then you go back into the real world and you kind of have to, everything speeds up again. Um, and that's what we're trying to sort of undo at the end of each day. 
uh, with yes. an evening sleep routine. Yes, yes. And some people might think it's a lot of work to do. However, just like I mentioned earlier, if we have our environment as a haven at home, you don't have to actually do anything. You just have to be there. Mm. And if you set your lights, you come home and you turn lights on automatically where they need to be turned on, when they don't need to be turned on. So it's actually, everything's automated for you. Mm. You don't have TV. I don't have TV at home. We put a fireplace instead of TV. So you remove things that don't work for you. <laughs> actually, during my sleep coaching, um, insomnia coaching, I have... As a sheet for people to uh, to fill out, and they go through the house where they see is that object actually serves me or not. For example, TV does it actually serve me or not for my sleep, and people have to put a rating next to that particular object. TV, I'll give it zero for benefits for sleep. So what I do, I turn around my favorite couch so I don't have to watch TV, but rather I watch my fireplace, for example, or. You know, you go in the kitchen, is the kettle served? Yes, it does, because I can make sleep tea, you know. You create your environment at home to work for you. And people think, oh, yeah, that's easy. I can do this so easily. The environment is critical in all areas of our health (laughs) because it facilitates our expression and our interaction with the world, you know, and whether it be around sleep or whether it be around relationship, you know, not having a TV at home. I imagine you have more deep conversations with your partner because you guys aren't just watching the latest Netflix series. Yes, exactly. Right? You can connect more. Um, Environment and and just the home, creating a place of wellness is what our home can be. And when you build your home and your environment, your lifestyle, if you will, around all of these things that we're talking about – all of a sudden it's not much work. Like you said, all of a sudden it's it's just kind of built in. Yes. You know, when I turn the lights on in the evening, they're already half dimmed. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Right? Yes, I don't even yes. need to dim them. They're yes. already on the low setting, right? <laughs> yes. Or maybe we're not turning them on because we've just lit some candles that evening. Exactly. Um, that natural form of light going into the eyes instead of the blue light. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, so I, I love that. Go around the house and, and give it a rating out of 10. Is this yes. good for my sleep or not? So you see, you don't, you don't have TV. You, don't, you have less bills. You don't have to pay for Netflix. You don't have to pay for uh, all other expenses that comes with TV. So you become very strategic with what you actually want and what you want from your environment. Yeah, I think it's worth noting that, hey, sometimes... I'll still get the laptop out and watch something on Netflix because it's a Sunday afternoon and I actually do just want to watch a a great movie that got (laughs) released recently or something, right? Yeah. There is a place for that, um, for sure. But I think when it becomes a chronic thing where every night we're just jumping on the TV or going on Instagram or whatever that may be, um, give that a rating out of 10 for sleep compared with maybe reading a book. You know, I'm looking at all your beautiful books right now. <laughs> I, there was a saying I heard once, never trust someone whose TV is bigger than their bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> In this house, it's opposite. <laughs> yes, I can definitely trust you. <laughs> yes. um, that's for sure. Um, so when you, when you consider insomnia then, because I know for many people, insomnia may seem like something that's chronic and very hard to manage. But to me, it's feeling like it's pretty manageable from your perspective once you unpack it and really understand 
the the mechanics of sleep in general? Oh, you know, insomnia shouldn't be happening actually <laughs> if people managed the environment really well. But also it is very manageable. Like I said, it's unpacking. But also it's knowing what dis- disrupts your sleep and what enhances your sleep. So I always talk about sleep enhances sleep disruptors. And this is my favorite thing to talk about. So. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. So, but again, everyone's different. So again, you look at your environment. What is actually not serving me? What is it in my routine? What are my habits, really? Because we are creatures of habit. Like I said, we come home and watch TV. That becomes a habit. But what if you don't watch TV? What can you do instead? And if you become a person of such habit of reading a book every night, you will go buy books. This is what I do. I buy books. And you just, um, you create those habits that serve you. But also, books are such an amazing thing to do. It makes you, it's not just for sleep. It makes you smart. It makes you so much more widely it gives you multiple intelligence basically so when you you basically pick your own habits <laughs> pick mm-hmm. them wisely and manage insomnia is absolutely manageable absolutely yes so mm. i mean that's really empower, empowering to hear what if you're someone who i'm just thinking the greater audience what if you're someone who's been suffering with insomnia for years though and is kind of at a loss at the point where it's like i i've tried everything and i just <laughs> Nothing seems to work, you know, because I know it can get to that point where when you're not sleeping for a year or so and just feels like there's no way out, is there one or two things that someone can do that will just help a little bit? Yes. You know, one year is actually not a long time. But I work with people who have insomnia for 20 years and they can sleep. So it's, again, it's, See, for those people who have insomnia for like 20 years, it, it would be a psychological involvement there. So you've got to work on that. But you, you need to understand what is the root cause. And like you said, we once you unpack it, uh, this is it. This is why I do spend two hours with people. I, during conversation, I take notes. And I understand what is actually the root cause. And I tell them the root cause of insomnia is this. And I think about it and I think, yeah, it is. I can now understand it. But when, when, before they understand it, they don't know what to do. Perhaps they've done a lot of things to, to help themselves sleep better, but they are not the things that to, to work on the root cause. You can, there could be just one thing and that would just fix it completely, right? So what, to, to answer your question, what could be one thing? You really need to figure it out, go back and understand it. For example, <laughs> One of my clients, he had insomnia for 20 years. He's in his 60s now. So he said, I uh, just can't sleep. And I try to dig and dig deep and deeper. What is it? What's the problem? What's the problem? What's the problem? And I'm trying to understand and trying to pick on his, um, unpack his own words, basically. And I, I realized that the reason he started stopped sleeping because 20 years ago, something happened with his ex-wife and there was something, something, something there. I... Um, I prefer not to, you know, just close all everything. But, and this is was the root cause. And once we addressed that root cause, there was no more problems. Mm. See, the routine is actually something that is very small things that you can do. But if there is a big problem like that, that's what you need to address. Doesn't no matter how many, no matter how many things you can do at home, if the root cause isn't addressed properly, you won't sleep. Mm. Easier said than done. Sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Sounds like um, part of your role is, uh, is, is counselling and real that mental health side of it. Absolutely. Counselling, yes. In terms of, because you're there, right? It provides your company and the space for people to talk safely about it. Because you see, this particular person has never told anyone about it. But when you provide that space for people, I actually studied counseling, <laughs> but it's, um, it's, it's rather having that space, providing safe space for people to actually open up to you. And you see, unless somebody is vulnerable around you and you be, have to become vulnerable first, they will not open up. I find that some people trying to go around the question just to avoid the question, just because they don't want to go there. They're not ready. But once they open up, it's like they open the door and let's walk through the door and fix the problem because the problem is behind this door. So that you need to make sure you create that space for them. Mm. Yeah, and, and the person suffering as well, asking themselves an honest question and saying, am I ready to heal? Am I ready to let go of whatever it is that I might be holding on to? Absolutely. Am yes. I ready to move through my insomnia? Come out the other side. Yes. Am I ready to walk through the door? It's it's very interesting um, what you just said. Some people, some people, um, they actually aren't ready to give up the willingness to hold on to the problem. And insomnia becomes a lifestyle for some people. For example, they like having the problem in their life because they get attention that they need. They don't have to go to work. There is some kind of component there of some kind of benefit for them. They're not willing to give up the need for the problem. Mm. Just the story. Yes, exactly. So once you take them through that willingness, they no longer are attached to the problem itself or to what they're actually gaining from the problem. Mm. So it's also another component there too. Mm, yeah, this for me is where meditation becomes such an important piece because I know everyone listening to this are people who want to get more from life, want to experience more. I certainly know that's how I go about my life. I, want to, I, I like getting healthy and having these conversations because it helps me experience more. Yeah. But even people in that space, um, like myself, everyone listening, there's, there's always areas of or there can be areas in our life where we still perhaps aren't asking these challenging questions sometimes. Yeah, exactly. It's your intention, but also motivation. How much motivation you actually have for this? I have a client recently here said, look, I, I've done it. I've done my routine for a month and then I lost my motivation. I just stopped doing it. I was like, why did you stop? I don't know. I kind of got sidetracked. Well, uh, so I was... Uh, prompting him to create his own motivation. I'm not there to do it for him. I wish I could sleep for people, right? But you can't do that. So it's how do you actually, how much do you actually want to heal? This is where it comes to your own motivation and creating that desire to achieve your own goal. Yeah. And that's why for me, just being able to sit in your own space for like two minutes, 10 minutes a day, and even just ask yourself some of these questions. Or just, what's going on with me at the moment? Oh, this is going on. Why is that going on? You know, and just being able to have some time to go into that space with yourself is really, really important because then you can uncover things quite quickly 
that might help you move through insomnia or refine your motivation to want to yes. keep your sleep routine going yes. to really turn off the screens in the evening or forgive that person maybe you never forgave, you know, and move on. Yes. Um, all these things can come up just in some short contemplation in the evening, in the morning. And I'm guilty of it too. I don't necessarily meditate all the, every single day. There's some days when I don't. And when I don't, I always feel it. <laughs> it's like I haven't yes. even noticed my breath today because I got up and I was running and just doing all day long. Yes. Um, it's really, really important to then go into these spaces um, in a safe place and ask yourself these questions, hopefully move through some areas in your life where maybe you're a bit stuck or needing some more motivation, you know? Yes, and it is like that. You are your own best friend or your own enemy <laughs> or yeah. both really. Mm. It's, yeah, exactly. You got to know yourself. In terms of the, um, you know, I like talking nuts and bolts again. So <laughs> in terms of some physical things, we've we've set the evening up nicely. What about the bed? How important is the actual bed itself for good sleep and pillows and those kind of things? Even in terms of how we sleep, side sleeping, back sleeping, mm-hmm. like what's the download on that? Yeah. So firstly, you got to have mattress that. That you like to be lying on. For example, I know the difference because when I sleep at other places, I my mattress. I mean, even the let's take a cabin that I have on the island. My mattress there is new mattress, but it's not the best quality mattress. I mean, but it's it's actually a little bit firm, and I don't like it. I because when I <laughs> the way I sleep, I sleep on one spot all night, and I wake up. And my hip is sore because I slept on my right side all night. <laughs> and I, I feel it. See, when I sleep at home, I sleep on a beautiful mattress. And I don't f- have that discomfort that I wake up feeling a bit sore <laughs> because the mattress isn't right. Um, I, I think bed is very important. Your bed has to be your best friend, really. Because you've got to spend a quarter of your lifetime with your bed, right? So you gotta sleep in comfort. If you need to invest in anything, invest in your beds, in your mattress, really. So your pillow has to be important too. You can't have allergies inside your pillow. So because again, it will create histamine, but also you won't be comfortable. If your pillow is too high, it will, um, it will crunch your your neck basically. So. When is a crunch? It's like um, bring your chin too close to your chest and then you create this obstruction in your airways and you can develop sleep apnea, right? So always snoring. So you got to have to have everything right. How can, we, how can we tell if we have the right mattress or not? Waking up uncomfortable. Yes, absolutely. If you're sneezing in bed, if you wake up if basically feverish, you have allergies, you have, if you have allergies to the mattress uh, fabric mm-hmm. or whatever it's made of, or if the mattress is too old, if you feel the springs, if you have sleep, if you have a bed partner, and the, the bed, the mattress has a lot of partner disturbance in it, you will be waking as your partner will be moving in bed. Mm-hmm. So having that zero partner disturbance, for example, is very important. Having a pillow that is, supports your neck rather than squishes your neck so you can't breathe. So it's very important having clean, clean linen, having clean um, pillows, mattress, having comfort. Your bed has to be 100% comfortable for you to sleep in. Otherwise, you're not going to be looking forward to going to bed. You'll be dreading that time. Yeah. I mean, what do you say, quarter of our life? Absolutely. It's amazing. Even 
we we purchased a new bed a year or so ago and I remember at the time even we were like oh it's pretty expensive <laughs> but it's okay we as humans try to justify these things it's like <laughs> he's spending so much time there yeah it is worth the investment buy a yes, nice mattress yes, yes. Um, what what uh, what materials should we avoid? Because there's some materials that we don't want to yes. be breathing in, right? Um, well, some foams actually are not very good for your for your health. So it could be very toxic. So you basically you need to find non-toxic material. I prefer beds without springs because it, springs create that kind of partner disturbance. But again, it has to be a bed that you're not too cold and you're not too hot. I I personally is a, I'm a temper. Um, fan. Hmm. Are they memory foam? Yes, yes. They um, oh, they have beautiful material, and they, the the density of the mattress is the one they used to make for the you know years now, years and years for the um, space. Okay. So basically, it's the best mattress you can buy, really. So, and there's no allergy; it doesn't trigger allergies in the body. So, you gotta have mattress and you see some people spend more more money on tv than the mattress mm. you don't even need tv <laughs> so you gotta have investment you gotta invest in your bed yeah we um we have a memory it's an organic latex yes um so it's not memory foam it's an organic latex mattress and the difference it made not having springs was actually really significant mm-hmm. because when uh Kristen gets up to go to the bed like uh, to go to the bed <laughs> to go to the toilet in the yeah. evening I don't feel her get up. Absolutely. And I yes. noticed this recently when we were sleeping uh, on an on a different mattress and I was like, man, I'm just waking up more in the evening. <laughs> I don't know what it is. And I realized it's when she was getting up, yes. I would kind of move around yes. in the bed. It has an impact. Absolutely. I have the same problem. When my partner gets up, um, I feel it. But mm. When we go to stay in the cabin, I feel it. The mattress there are just average. Yeah. We didn't want to spend a lot of money, but you do feel it. You spend only one night per month there, really. So yeah. it's not a big deal. But at home, you have to create your own comfort. And having that luxury of not being woken up by the, your bed partner is, is absolutely priceless. It is luxury of life. Yes. That's a question, actually. Are we supposed to sleep with other humans? <laughs> like a human supposed to sleep with other people or is it really a solo kind of experience? I think it's a personal preference. Right. I love to have my partner there. He hugs me to sleep and it's in the warmth of another part and the peace of mind that your partner is there. I think, I mean, when he's not there or he's at work, I do sleep well, but I also sleep well when he's there. So it depends. Again, it depends on your bed. Some people don't like their partner there because the bed is 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 not meant to be, you know, have the bed has a lot of partner disturbance, so they don't want their partner there because they want to have good, good sleep. But if you had a good bed, you would you would want to have your partner in your bed. So, really, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is personal preference. Yes, uh, I know in some cultures it's kind of more common to not sleep with each other, and some it is. And yeah, no, I was just I was just curious <laughs> about that. And yeah, pillow too. Again, same thing. Try some different pillows. Is that what you would suggest? Yes. Well, you see. I prefer pillows that are contoured and they have a few different styles. Um, so contoured pillow, what they do, they 
put your neck in the right position, support the neck rather than, rather than pushing the head closer to your chest and creating that obstruction in your airways. So they basically stretch your neck and therefore you breathe easier. You don't have the obstruction, you don't snore. You don't, you have, even for those who have sleep apnea, they can still use these pillows and they have less severity of sleep apnea. So having a pillow is very important, very important step. And most people say that when they have good pillow, when they go to places, the hotels or places where they stay, they don't have their own pillow, they can't sleep because it's absolutely different feeling having a bad pillow. Mm. Yeah, again, like spend a couple hundred bucks on a pillow if you have to. <laughs> or spend $300. Right. It's absolutely worth it. Yeah. And you see, I, again, I'm a Tempur fan. I have pillows from Tempur, different styles. I bet you've got shapes. a killer pillow selection. <laughs> I do, I do. And I, I swap and change them because sometimes I feel like higher pillow because their memory foam actually changes with the season. So if it's colder, your mattress and pillows are firmer. When it's cool, when it's warmer, they're actually softer. So it's adjust to. So I prefer a slimmer pillow when it's hot, when it's cold, and higher pillow when it's warm. So you can swap and change. Don't be shy. Don't be scared to buy two pillows because you, you know, it's not a waste. You actually can sleep on one and hug the other. Really. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and really, you can share pillows with your family members. Really. So. Yeah, yeah, or just like throw it on the floor if you're not using it. Yeah, it looks it looks good when you yeah when you make the bed and it sits there beautifully. Right. So I mean, pillows are absolutely important, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, and just all the materials in the bedroom in general because you're spending eight hours a day, nine hours, ten hours a day sometimes, yes. um, maybe five hours a day if you're struggling with sleep. <laughs> but um, we're breathing in everything that's in that room. Yes, you know, and even just having a, a bedroom that you like being in. Yes. Is important, I, I believe. Absolutely. Oh, I, I like cotton. I like... Um, Some nice French linen. Um, yes. Or, organic linen, I find Absolutely. is really nice on the bed. Yeah. And bamboo. Yeah. You can buy hemp. Uh, just a natural material. You don't want synthetic, really. You just don't. And you don't. You find that it just doesn't feel right anymore after you've you've used the you know you've had linen with the natural material, just cotton and things like that. So yeah, you will once you start you doing all the right things, you will notice the wrong things. They feel wrong. Mm. Um. So then we're having a good sleep, getting up in the morning. What's your morning routine like? How are you getting out of bed? At the moment, and are you going outside and grounding or getting yes? Yeah, so I sleep well at night, and I do tend to sleep in one position all night. Um, I get up, I wake up, I get up. I want to get up, and I usually don't wake up too early because I like to, I like to sleep. I, I always give myself eight nine hours. Uh, I believe sleep is a luxury, and why not enjoy it? <laughs> so I have a beautiful bed. And I just want to stay in it. Mm -hmm. But I do get up because I've got kids to take to school, get ready for work, get ready for the day. So I get up, I go straight to my kettle, I put my slippers on, <laughs> put my bathrobe on, I sleep naked because it's, it's just more comforting. It's more, I don't know, it just feels better to sleep like that. So nothing's annoying you really. <laughs> um, straight to the kettle, warm up the water. I drink warm water in the morning. And, and I wait. I don't eat. I, I don't... I, I don't like eating in the mornings because I like to do intermittent fasting. But I do it for as long as I can. When my day's off, I stretch it out for longer. On the days where I have to work and rush around, I also stretch it, but 
just depends how long it can stretch for. Mm. Yeah, I can relate to that. Okay, so I just thought of a question that I've always wanted to know. Should we be waking up with like perfect energy? You know, because I like, is, is it a myth like to wake up and just be like, eyes open, bing, I'm ready to go. Like, is there a transitional period from when we wake up to when we actually naturally have energy? Because like as a rule of thumb, I think it's interesting to know, like if if I'm having a good sleep, do I know that because I wake up and I have energy immediately or does it take some time? I believe we should be like cats. You know how when cats wake up, they stretch, take the time, and they live longer than, than dogs, for example. <laughs> See, like, I think we should take it easier in the morning. I mean, we all have things to do and rush around, but I mean, still, getting out of bed, you don't want to just, just jump out. you got to have to stretch. You know, like, think about yoga. Before you do a stretch, you got to warm up. Mm. So I, I believe we have to warm up for the day. But do it in a way that, I mean, there's a difference, right? You're waking up and you, you're warming up for the day or you're feeling absolutely sluggish, like a, like a, a almost like a hangover kind of feeling. Right. I mean, that, if you had that, that's a problem. Mm. But if you wake up, you feel sharp in your brain and you're ready to get up, but you take it easy, right? You don't want to cause injuries, really. <laughs> you don't want to jump out of bed. I prefer to take it easy. I have a... I basically have my own rhythm. Morning and night time, it's a little bit slower. I don't tend to be too phased if I'm a little bit late for school <laughs> for kids, but I don't like stress. So I personally prefer to have less stress and more kind of time where I can, it's almost like a meditation, but it's always in that state, no rushing. Yeah, I walk to my kettle, then I can wake up the children. My children sleep <laughs> so long <laughs> because they, they, my son is such a deep sleeper. So you go wake up your children, come back to the kitchen, do the breakfast. It's a whole kind of, a, it's like a dance, right? Mm-hmm. You warm up and then you go harder, faster. Yeah, I like that. Good to know. I certainly, in my mind, I was like, am I not getting sleep because I'm not waking up immediately just like jumping out of the bed and like running <laughs> around? Um, so my own little challenges there. Um, Zvedi, this has been awesome today. Um, I think it's just an important conversation that needs to be continually had <laughs> because sleep is so critical yes. and our mental health is so important, especially in the world we're in at the moment, you know, and, you know, I guess if I could share with all the listeners about just the general energy of your place, it is really tranquil. And I think that says something as to the the energy we want to be going about our day-to-day, which can allow us to experience a good sleep and bringing that calmness in and minimizing things that build stress. Like you just said, you (laughs) avoid stress. Um, I think there's lessons in that. And if we all bring a bit more of that into our life, we can all experience a better quality sleep of which the flow on effects are endless. The positive flow on effects in our other areas of our life of sleeping well, uh, are endless and I think um, yeah it's just really cool to continue this conversation and shine a light on 
an area that probably should be not well lit at all. (laughs) (laughs) That was probably the worst pun I've ever made, but you get get what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, Oh, we can talk about sleep all day, mm. but we have to, (laughs) when do you stop talking about it? Actually, I had many friends stay over, not just in this house, but other houses. And they all say, I sleep so well in your house. Like, how do I sleep so well? (laughs) So... I guess it is the environment and yeah. Yeah, and just the general energy. So thank you so much uh, for having me in your place and thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. Yes. It was an absolute pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, if people want to engage you, um, how can they find you? Well, I have a website, sleepacademy.online. So everything's on website. So if you need to contact me, there's contact number, there's links to social media or just um, search Svetsa Williams or Sleep Academy online and you'll find me. <laughs> Beautiful. And anything you'd like to leave the listeners with to think about or to consider? Yes, yes. Consider having good night's sleep. <laughs> it is such an important part. And you see, people who sleep better, they live longer. Mm. Oh, we can talk another day about this, right? <laughs> so perhaps we talk about it next time. Mm. But yeah, prioritize your sleep. And other, you can, you'll find that other things in your life will just fall into place. Beautiful. Love it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes. <laughs>